Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you, the solo female traveller. Empowering women to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. Welcome to a dose of inspiration for the solo traveller. Today's expert interview is with Marianne Ward, who runs the blog Breathe, Dream, Go, Tales of Travel and Transformation. Mary Ellen is originally from Canada, from Toronto, and has travelled extensively through India for the last 10 years. And she's going to give us an insight into visiting India as a woman travelling alone. So hi, Mary Ellen. Thanks for joining me today. Hello. Well, thank you very much. Before we talk about India, can you just tell us a bit about your background? Like you said, I'm from Toronto, and uh, my background is in communications. I've always been a writer, and uh, my degree is in journalism. I didn't discover I was a traveler, that I was a free spirit until I was actually in my 40s already. Um, and actually, it's, it's kind of a long story. It's on my blog. I went through a series of quite traumatic losses in my life over a period of a couple of years. And I was actually in a very, very, the lowest point of my life, no question, very depression, actually, and realized I needed to find a way to get out of it. And so I started, uh, I don't, I've been doing yoga for a long time, but I started doing yoga in a, in a much bigger way. I threw myself into yoga kind of as a way to get out of the depression. And one thing led to another. And then I had this very strange experience, too much to go into now, but I suddenly felt compelled to go to India. And that was in 2004. And then I, I spent a year actually, 11 months from, from that feeling of like, I have to go to India to actually getting on the plane it was 11 months of planning and saving and I was terrified. So um, for people who think, you know, you have to be ready to go on a big trip, to, you, know, you have to be ready to be a solo traveler. Uh, I didn't feel ready. I felt called and I really felt I needed to do something because to uh, restart my life. But did I feel ready? No, I was terrified. My ticket was dated for six months after arriving. So I was, you know, I had six months in India ahead of me with no idea what would happen when I got on that plane in December of 2005. So I think there's a big lesson there. And then, yeah, and I stayed for the entire six months that I, I planned to stay for, and that just completely changed my life. And I, it's been since then that I've become a travel writer and a travel blogger. I wasn't a travel writer before. I was a writer, but more of a corporate writer. Now I'm writing from my heart things I really care about, the kind of writing I always wanted to do since childhood. So that was going to India just, you know, it's the classic cliche story. It completely changed my life. Because I know that you concentrate on meaningful adventure travel, don't you? And you say that India is your muse and your soul culture. So I was going to ask yeah. you what drew you to India, but you said it was a calling. You said you just felt as if you had to go there. Yeah, and, but what's, what was interesting was, um, you know, since, since then, I, you know, I've had 10 years of traveling in India and, and thinking about it, obviously, writing about it. And I realized sometimes things happen in your life and you don't really understand why. But then afterwards, when you look back, you see that the dots connect. And I realized, actually, I wanted to go to India probably since childhood. I was always fascinated with anything Eastern. I was drawing Maharaja palaces and on my walls when I was a child and reading the Arabian Nights. I was I loved George Harrison. I loved seeing the pictures of him in Rishikesh with the marigolds around his neck. So all the signs were there. It just took me, it just, you know, it just took a long time to get there. I don't know why. I wish I'd gone sooner. And you mentioned Rishikesh, which is probably the kind of spiritual home of yoga, isn't it? And I know you concentrate on spirituality a lot in your blog. So mm -hmm. can you tell us a bit about that and your experiences? 
when I arrived in India in 2005, I was staying with friends in Delhi, and my first trip alone out of Delhi was actually to Rishikesh. I mean, I just made it basically a beeline <laughs> right there. Rishikesh has been, uh, it's, first of all, it's a very beautiful place. It reminds me a little bit of Canada because it's the place where the, the Ganga, the Ganges River, tumbles out of the mountains and meets the plains. So Rishikesh is a valley with mountains at one end and the river comes out of it. It's beautiful. It's green. It's clean. I do my dip, my swim or whatever in the river there. It's fine. It's absolutely clean, crystal clear. Well, it's green, but it's clean water and it's very fresh. And this spot has been attracting sages and yogis, uh, seekers, you know, since the beginning of time. They, they don't even know. It's so far back. I mean, people have been gathering in this beautiful valley at this peaceful valley to chant and do yoga and meditate just forever. And so the energy there is, is, is incredible. It's a beautiful place, but it's also got this incredible spirituality and energy. And there's just like ashrams and temples, you know, up and down each side of the river. It's a pretty amazing place. Is that your favorite place in India? It's one of them, that's for sure. I have a lot, but it's one of them, yeah. I know that India does get quite a lot of bad press. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to touch on that and just what your experience of that was. Is it just the media blowing things out of proportion? Because so many people travel to India every year and they're absolutely fine. And it's only these really small isolated cases that kind of get reported. So what's your take on how India treats women and if it's safe? You know, I have to say when I started going to India 10 years ago, when you look at my early blog posts, or when, and when I look back, when I think about my reading, the question of women's safety wasn't, it never came up. It was like a minor, like, little bit, I think Lonely Planet has a little section on it, you know? It wasn't, 10 years ago, it wasn't an issue. Um, getting ripped off, deli belly, um, train delays, dealing with the crowds and the heat. Yes, these were all issues that I was concerned about. But my safety as a woman in India 10 years ago, it never came up. We, we might find that hard to believe now. That issue has been dominating the media for the last few years. But it's a recent issue. So there's a couple of things about that. One is, you know, I'm very careful to separate the treatment of women in India. That You know, I'm not a sociologist. I'm not an investigative reporter. I'm a travel writer. I don't cover the treatment of women in India. And I don't feel uh, um, like I have any authority to make any meaningful contribution to that to that issue. So I always talk about, you know, my expertise is in travel and, and travel writing and being a traveler in India, even though I actually do uh, live with an Indian family and I have a partner who's Indian for 10 years. I still, still, I'm not Indian. So I, I just, I like to separate these two issues. So as a travel writer and as a, tra a foreign traveler in India, I myself have not experienced uh, very many um, negative incidents over 10 years, uh, very, very few. A lot of staring, yes. You have to get used to the staring. But if you, if you don't mind the staring and you're, and you're willing to be bold and confident and sometimes a little bit impolite, I think that that can definitely go a long way. And I get interviewed a lot about this issue, and people often ask me, is India a safe place for, tra for female travelers? And my answer, the answer I've developed is that I don't think that's the right question. I don't think places are safe or unsafe, with a few exceptions, like maybe a war-torn country or something. Yeah. I think it's how you travel and, and your attitude. It's two things. First of all, if you feel comfortable and confident, which I do in India, I think that goes a long way to helping you be more safe. I don't, do I, can I say that with any scientific assurity? No, but that's what I think, and that's my experience. 
And then um, the other thing is practicing what I call safe travel strategies. I'm a huge advocate of practicing safe travel strategies. So I have a bunch of tips on my blog, but it's dress for the place. Like in India, dress modestly. Be aware of the culture. Be aware that you can't flirt with the auto driver. He doesn't have the sophistication to understand. He, he's going to think that that's a, you know, a direct come on, right? Um, don't arrive at a train station or an air, airport late at night if you can help it. You know, definitely get a phone. I absolutely a huge believer in having a local phone, a local SIM, and know and knowing people you can phone. I, you know, I have a little trick that I do quite often when I get in a taxi is I just phone my friend, and especially in Delhi, and I just say, okay, I'm in the taxi, and here's the taxi number, so the taxi driver can hear me. I probably don't even need to do it, but it's just little things. It's just you know, little things like this, like you just have to be aware and caught and cautious. Not if not fearful. Fearful is doesn't help because that emits the wrong energy but cautious and also all the studies show that confidence goes a long way that men who attack women look for vulnerable fearful women they don't look for the woman who's striding down the street with comfort and confidence so i think that really is it helps great tips i i believe that as well i believe in just walking with an air of confidence even if you're scared stiff or you're lost or you don't know what you're doing just keep that confidence up and uh, I've been so lucky I've had hardly any any problems traveling by myself and I think it's because right. I've, I've just I step into that confidence even when I don't feel it yeah it definitely doesn't and, count and there's another there's one other issue I don't really want to get into in, in any depth but um just if you look at statistics um and statistics you know are kind of iffy but if you look at statistics most women who are assaulted or attacked or abused in the world, it's by their spouse or their partner. It's not by a stranger. Those are actually much rarer incidents. And again, if you look at the statistics of women who are raped or even killed, and sad to say, traveling, India is low on the list. Statistically, India is not high on the list. So why why did it get so much media attention? You know, I have theories about that. You have to take the media dishes out with a grain of salt. I think. Definitely. And you need to go there for yourself and experience it for yourself as well. Listen to other travelers, you know, and they'll tell you, yeah, sometimes you can be hassled. Yeah, people stare at you. And I was grabbed, I had my breast grabbed in Old Delhi once years ago. I mean, it's not like nothing happens. I mean, there is, I'm not saying that there's, there's no issues, that there's nothing going on. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that having a sense of perspective really helps. That's what I'm saying. So I know that you've been traveling there for 10 years. Have you seen any changes or noticed anything <laughs> within that decade? India is the most changing country on earth. That's my feeling. And it's one of the reasons it's so fascinating. Wow. 10 years ago, you know, India was still at the tail end of being a very, very traditional society. And it still is in many ways, especially when you get out of the metros. Um, and I remember, you know, the airport in Delhi was, I always call it the old shed. It's just like this big shed. Now they've got this super fancy high-tech high airport that looks like you could be in, you know, Los Angeles or something. And they have a metro station that's just gorgeous, um, a metro system that's just amazing. I mean, yeah, it's changed completely. It's opening up to the world. There's a youth quake going on. India is the youngest country on earth. It has the most people under 25 in the world. Oh, okay. So there's, there's an incredible youth quake going on. And I now assert that uh, there's a couple of really hip areas in Mumbai and Delhi and Bangalore. That I think they're the hippest places on earth. Bandra and um, Hoskos. Delhi, uh, these places are just w way more hip than anything we got happening. Well, that's interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. People don't. People aren't aware of it, but no. Because I went to Mumbai and I was actually quite surprised by how westernized it was and how Mumbai, especially, is westernized. It yeah. seemed it didn't feel like I was in India, apart from just the yeah. smells and the senses. But to yeah. look at it, yeah, you could kind of be in England or something. So yeah. Have you met many women traveling alone during your time in India? Yeah, it's very common there. Again, the media um, is a whole different world onto itself, but down on the ground, quite often the media doesn't get it right. Women see women traveling all over India alone, often in two pairs, actually, or couples. Um, but yeah, I've met lots of women traveling alone, lots. And you said that you feel really comfortable in India. You know, I'm a kind of an odd case, though, I think, because I'm one of the few people who felt an affinity with India, maybe right from the get-go, or... I'm sure some people feel an affinity, but I, I I was just really lucky, I think, that I landed. I had a really gentle landing, which apparently is fairly uncommon because of a friend of mine who picked me up at the airport and he drove me to um, his family home, a three-generation Punjabi family in South Delhi. And I've been, they basically just adopted me immediately. And I've, I live there with them when I'm in Delhi to this day, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. And they're like, they're my Indian family. And they just adopted me and took care of me. And so I, I got this really amazing soft landing. And, and that combined with feeling an uncanny affinity with India right from the beginning, which I've never felt for any other country. So I think I got off to a really good start. Now, mind you, that first six months of travel, yeah, did I have, did I have bumps? I sure did, like everybody else. But overall, it was amazing. It was, it was I always think of it now as kind of a magic carpet ride, that first trip. That's a good way of putting it. I had so many amazing, wonderful things happen one after another. And it wasn't, to be honest, what I expected. I expected it to be a lot tougher, but it was just, I never felt so alive in my life. Wow. It's just such a vibrant, colourful place that just ignites all of your senses, isn't it? And I think if you're open to it, it's an amazing experience. But if, if you're a bit scared, it can be a bit of a culture shock, I think. Attitude is everything in India. And it just mirrors back to you. What, like you said, if you're open to it. And I don't know why India is like this, but it's it's a very, uh, I'm not sure what the right word is, but it's very reactive, like put out some sort of fearful or negative energy. Man, it'll just hit you right back right away. It's just incredible. I've had that experience lots of times. But also on the, on the flip side, if you're open and trusting and loving and caught and open and non-judgmental towards the, the experience, it, it's just, there's nothing else like it. It's amazing. So what do you think is India's attraction? I know it's so big and there's so it's so diverse and there's so many different aspects of it, but what do you think is its main attraction for women visiting? I think there's, yeah, the two things that come to my mind are um, spirituality. Certainly there's a lot of people who go to India because of uh, spiritual reasons, because either they're doing yoga or um, that's pretty big nowadays. But India's always been the destination for spiritual seekers since... Again, there's even, you know, uh, a theory that Jesus, during the lost years in Jesus' life, that he went to yoga, that he went to India and became a yogi, and that he went back, and, and a lot of the powers that he had, like to bring people back from the dead and turn water into wine and things, was, was yogic things that he learned, you know, in, um, in India. Mark Twain, who else? The Beatles, of course, famously yeah, went to Rishikesh. Yeah. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh yeah, Steve Jobs famously went to India. He said it changed his life, and uh, many, many, many people. You know, Elizabeth Gilbert, Eat, Pray, Love. You, I mean, it's just 
it goes on and on and on going back as, as, as far as you want. So it's always been a destination for seekers and uh, people who, who just want to know more and experience more about the um, more meaningful, like I say, more meaningful aspect of life, the deeper, you know, why am I here? Who am I? Questions. And then um, I think the other one is the sense of adventure. I mean, in, in this day and age, it's pretty hard to have a sense of adventure. Most places are pretty similar and pretty safe, which is good. I mean, Canada is a very safe, wonderful place to live, but, you know, that can be kind of boring. So what Canadians do is we go camping, we go out in the wilderness, and we have these huge parks where you can see moose and, and, and bears and things, and you get a bit of a sense of excitement and adventure. That way, of course, you're out in the wilderness. It's pretty exciting. So that's what we do here in Canada. But I think um, India offers uh, cultural adventure, you know, just the culture shock of being there and everything so... As you say, so it's technicolor, it's intense. It, I've, I've, spent, I've spent a lot of time there, but it doesn't matter. Every day is still an adventure. I walk out the door and I'm like, Alice in Wonderland, basically. It just makes you feel alive every day. Absolutely. You know, Asia, I love Asia. Asia is my favorite continent. In Asia, everybody, they live life out in the open, whereas we, we live it all sort of inside our houses and in our backyards. But in Asia, everything's out in the open. And maybe this is probably especially true for India. And... Um, yeah, you just feel part of the flow of life. Wow. If you only had one month to travel in India, which is not a long time at all, then no. what would your dream itinerary be? I guess it depends on what you want to go there for. Yeah, it depends on what you want to go there for. But my, my big advice to people is always to pick a region. It's not that hard to travel in India, but it's, it's tiring. It's tiring. And people maybe forget how big the country is. I think it's the seventh largest country on earth. It's got the second highest population at 1.2 billion. It's very hot a lot of the time. Things don't always run on time. They're crowded. There's a lack of what we consider efficiency. So it's tiring to travel there. Um, so my advice is always to pick a region. Pick, you know, the standard Golden Triangle, Delhi, Agra for the Taj Mahal and Jaipur. Would, could be the basis for a northern itinerary where, where you could also include just spending a lot more time in Rajasthan, which is an amazing state, one of my favorites. And then also you could even go up to Rishikesh, and which isn't that far from Delhi. It's a four-hour train ride. And then you're in the foothills, and you could maybe venture a little bit into the Himalayas and see some of the – I love going up into the mountains. Or you could pick a, you know, a completely different itinerary. It would be a southern itinerary where you go to um, – my other favorite state is Kerala. I love Kerala. I, I Personally, I much prefer it to Goa. I find Goa very touristy, but I love Kerala. And then nearby Kerala is Karnataka and Tamil Nadu. And these are three states very close to each other in the south. And these make up the three states in the south. And there's a lot of amazing, interesting things to do in those three states, but probably especially Kerala, which I think I always call it the soft landing. It's, if you're a little bit nervous about going to India, people say the north is tougher. Start in Kerala, beautiful tropical beaches, and there's an old historic port town called Cochin, and you can go up into the, they've got a different set of hills, they're not so, not like the Himalayas, they're much lower, and um, you can go up to the Tea region, and it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Would you say there are any hidden gems there, if you stay away from the main touristy areas, I guess what you just, just described are kind of the hidden gems? Well, India's a little bit different than other places, in my view. Um, in fact, I recommend people do stay in, on the touristy area until they get to know the country because I think it's just, you know, there's more tourism infrastructure. And for solo female travelers, I would say it would be considered safer. 
So I don't really think India is the right place to think about in terms of, of hidden gems. Although, on the other hand, I think that the whole country is awash in hidden gems. I mean, it's just such an ancient culture. And unlike a place like China that had the cultural revolution, some countries have had these revolutions that decided that everything old was bad and then they, they got rid of them. That's never happened in India. So it has 32 UNESCO World Heritage Sites, but I think if, if somebody got to work, they could probably have many more times that number because there's so much in India. Like it's just, there's hidden gems around every corner. Okay, that's interesting. And you mentioned before about the train journeys. Would you say that that's the best way to get around? Because I know that you can pay yeah. different classes on the trains, can't you? Right. I, I love the train in India and I like taking long train rides. And you're, you're right, um, the different classes. It's a little complicated at first, but I always recommend, you know, go first or second class. Don't try to go third class. Well, they don't really have third class. They have sleeper class or general class. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, so two AC or, or CC is chair car or one AC. Yeah, it takes some getting to know the classes, but taking the train in India is a great adventure. It's one of my favorite things. And is there anything to do in the evening if you're by yourself as a woman? It kind of depends on where you're staying. Like, are you in a guest house? Are you in a resort, an ashram? There's, you know, are you in a big city? It kind of really depends. So I, I think sometimes if you're the type of person who does like to have a pretty active social life, I would definitely recommend using Lonely Planet Guide because everybody else who's like-minded, everybody else who has that kind of mentality is going to be using it too. So you'll know, you know, where everybody's going. For my th first three trips to India, I used Lonely Planet Guide pretty slavishly. Just used it to plot out where I was going and where I would stay. And it was a great experience. But then at a certain point, I, I threw it away. Nothing against Lonely Planet. It's a great book. It's the Bible. I've been there enough that I wanted to go off on my own. But if, if you want to socialize, just follow, just go and stay where Lonely Planet tells you to stay. And then you'll be, you'll be like in guest houses filled with other people who are also there because the Lonely Planet told them to go there. And then you'll, you'll meet people. That's a good point, actually. And that, you've just answered my next question, which was, is it easy to meet people? Very. <laughs> Very. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because there's 1.2 billion Indians. And at any given time, there's probably, what, half a million foreign travelers or maybe a million in India. I don't know. A small, small percentage, believe me, you stick out. I can't tell you how much time I've spent being the only foreigner in a sea of local people. In fact, one of my very good friends, that's how I met her. I walked into this beauty parlor in South Delhi where the, the foreign, you know, tourists don't go. And there was this blonde woman, you know, it was like, oh my God, you're blonde. So am I. Let's talk. <laughs> And we became really, she was about to get married to an Indian guy. She's from New Zealand. She's still my friend. And uh, um, that's how we met. So, oh man, it's so easy to meet other travelers. That's great. I find that when I'm traveling, not just specifically in India as well, but as soon as you see somebody from the same background as you, it's kind of a more intense friendship anyway. And people are really open. You're like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I haven't seen, I haven't seen somebody like me for days. And then just <laughs> It's true. It's true, especially in my case because I live with an Indian family, and yeah, and I don't and I don't live in a touristy area. So I so sometimes yeah, a long time goes, and all my friends are Indian as well, pretty much in India. So sometimes a long time goes by before I see another foreigner. Um, but when I'm out traveling, and I do, yeah, there's just a natural kind of friendliness, and it's just, it's just natural. So, are there any areas that you would say you would avoid in India? It's probably a hard question to ask. No, I think it's actually an easy answer, which is, uh, I would, you know, if you're a solo female traveler, if you're new to India, I think just stay on the tourist routes. Don't go into the sketchy areas or the rough areas. There's a kind of a 
backpacker ghetto in in Delhi called Parganj. It just attracts the kind of people who are, you know, really rough trade, you know, people who are selling drugs and all kinds of stuff. And I don't recommend people go into those kind of very sketchy areas or off the beaten path. There's a lot of little guest houses in South Delhi. South Delhi. South Delhi, yeah. That's where I recommend people stay. It's much nicer, highly touristy area. It's really nice. And because of the metro, you can get easily get anywhere in Delhi. The metro is fantastic. I take it every day when I'm in Delhi. Fantastic. So. So I know you just answered this, but I was going to say, what would you say to somebody who's looking to go to India for the first time and is feeling a bit apprehensive about it? Generally speaking, I tell people, if you if you don't feel called to India, maybe you shouldn't go. Okay. India is wonderful, but it's not the easiest place to travel. It's not like going to, um, I don't know, Paris or uh, Belize or Caribbean or something. I mean, it's... It's a transformative travel destination. It's not a holiday. It's not a vacation. If you're really iffy or if you, you don't really want to go, you just think you should or something, I would say probably don't go. But if you, on the other hand, if you feel called to go to India, like if you, like I had a calling to go, I would just, you know, start planning. Just try your best to get over the anxiety because if you feel that calling, you'll probably love it. This is what I've noticed anyway from my experience. So is there anything else that you'd like to add about India? We didn't talk too much about first-time visitors, but I think for first-time visitors, I don't particularly feel India is an unsafe destination. We talked about that. I don't really like to talk about destinations as being safe or unsafe, but I don't feel it is. However, I do think that there's a huge learning curve to being in India, that it's very, very intense just to learn how to be there, learn how to negotiate with tuk-tuk drivers, learn how to get a train ticket. Nothing is easy in India. So I think... If people, for first-timers, you should either go with somebody who knows India well or meet someone there who knows India well or other Indian friends or whatever, or you should maybe join a small group tour Yeah, to just jump right into the deep end of this. I kind of jumped into the deep end, but I got a seriously lucky break by you know being immediately adopted by a lovely family in South Delhi. So I think first-timers need to be a little bit more cautious not because it's unsafe but just because it's overwhelming and it hits you right between the eyes and nothing really prepares you for it but if you can just try to get a few pieces in place so that you're not just there alone at the start I think that's really wise yeah and then I guess the final thing is just we talked about it but just to underline how important your attitude is and having an open and confident attitude it just goes a really really long way especially in India and I don't know why that's true but I really believe that. So where can people go to find out more about you? I have a lot of information on my blog, which is breathedreamgo.com. And I have some specific articles, like my top tips for women traveling in India. I have quite, quite a few resources on there for people. And especially if you're iffy, like you said, like it's, there's a lot of inspiration. Fantastic. Now, your blog's amazing. So for anybody who wants oh. more information about India, if you head to Breathe, Dream, Go, and I'll put the link underneath the interview as well so thank you so much for joining us today Marianne it's lovely to meet you and to find out a bit more about India and I wish you every success in the future thank you very much this was a wonderful experience and you can find out exactly how to travel solo in India with our solo travel in India guide thanks for listening to our girl about the globe podcast making solo travel easier for you Find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlabouttheglobe.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.